This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 97 of the Healthy Critters Radio on Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we spend time with one of our favorite guests, Kathy McEnroe, an equine sports therapist. The breed of the show is the Jersey Giant Chicken. Critter Nutrition focuses on Biostar's Optimum GI supplement. And in Coffee Clatch, we share our favorite funny things our dogs do to make us laugh. Listen in. So, Patty P. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I have some exciting news. And I'd love to hear it. I am. I am. We're going to have Jim Coford on our live show and during the yeah. uh, Radio Network Radiothon, which is on Cyber that Monday. Is be, that is going to be fun. That is going to be fun. Jim is Jim, 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 along being a very accomplished uh, Grand Prix uh, rider and uh, trainer and clinician is extraordinarily humorous. <laughs> and am I right? I mean, yeah, yeah, he has and some Jim of the is, best stories and he's he's very I good at telling yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also one of the most popular riders for those of you who aren't. Um, involved directly in dressage. He's probably one of the most popular FEI riders in the sport in this country. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for his recent popularity is that he has ridden and trained a very unusual Grand Prix horse. She is part Frisian and part carriage horse. And she's a Pinto. Which I love. I love doing different breeds. I love it. I love it. I think it's I do cool. too. And she is so good at this. She loves well, and there just, and she loves him. And she loves Jim. Yeah. And yeah. some of the most difficult parts of the Grand Prix she finds easy, like yeah. Piaf and Passage. Right. So we're really excited to have him on. Please listen in. It's a live show, so he's bound to be extremely entertaining. And, you know, the subject is going to be our, you know, our our favorite funny horse stories. And when I was talking to him about coming on the show, he reminded me of a story when he was training in Germany. And as he started reminding me of this story that I had already heard before, I just automatically started laughing because it is such a funny story. So I'm thrilled that we're going to have him on. He's, he's, uh, he's just, he's just a great guy and a lot of fun. It'll be a very uplifting hour because we will also be unveiling our new healthy critter Christmas holiday song which um, in the history of our show were, were known for unusual poems and songs. And this one is follows right along in that grand tradition. So uh, Perfect. Perfect. join us. Are you ready to reveal the title of your poem, though? 
No. Oh, it's top it's secret. It's a song. It's a song. <laughs> oh, Jennifer, too soon. It's too going soon. to be epic, people. It's yeah, going to be epic. epic. And you'll be able to sing along, even with the revised uh, verses. So, join us on Cyber Monday, 3 p.m. live. You can call in. You can talk to us. You can sing songs to us. You can joke with us. So, save up all your great ideas and jokes for (laughs) Cyber Monday. (laughs) Perfect. Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday, what day? What day is that? That is December. It's the day after, it's the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that's December 2nd. And you can find out all the information you need if you're curious and you can't remember all this stuff. If you just put in Google HRN Holiday Radiothon, the site pops right up. If you go to horseradionetwork.com, we'll have links there. Uh, And I'll have the whole schedule for the whole day and Healthy Critters Radio with Patty. And Tigger, and Jim, and Glenn, and Glenn, and uh, and, and Hedwig, and I'm sure Hed will, Hedwig will yeah. make an appearance. They they have the three o'clock hour, and we have gobs of prizes that we're giving away. It's great fun. I encourage you all to tune in, and I'm encouraging everyone to send a postcard to their friends, encouraging them to tune in as well. <laughs> yes, a postcard. Perfect. So now we're going to move on and. Um, Begin with uh, Kathy McEnroe, who is an equine sports therapist, who is one of my favorite people. So knowledgeable and so much fun. So get ready for, for a really fun start of the show. And we're here with our good friend, good friend of the show, Kathy McEnroe, who is an equine sports therapist. One of my favorite people on the planet. And <laughs> we're... <laughs> Hi, Kathy! Hi, Tigger. How are you? I'm good. I I wanted to to start our uh, our discussion with um, w- the kinds of things that you're running into as an equine sports therapist. What things are you running into with horses physically? I mean, you you spend a lot of time with some top performing horses. What are some of the the challenges you're finding with their bodies and their overall physical well-being. Well, of course, I've just finished up kind of the series of uh, the year-end indoor competitions, which is one of the more stressful circuits, I think, for the show horses, meaning that there is traveling from all over the country to come as they've qualified for these divisions. So there's usually entails long travel for the horses and a pretty rigorous schedule as far as uh, the days of competing and then having to move on to the next series of competitions all in about a month's succession. And it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good way to see how, stress affects horses' bodies. I, re- I, I was talking to Tigger recently because, of course, we talk all the time. I kept coming up with asking her questions about uh, GI tracts and stomachs and all sorts of things, muscle tightnesses, and what is the, what is the nutritional component that either helps them or makes it harder for them? Because I always try to 
when I'm, you know, come in to try to help somebody with their horses physically on a sports therapy level to try to rule out any outside factors. Of course, we always look at, these are some of the things we often look at is the schedule, the uh, surface they're being ridden on, the equipment fitting properly, how much riding they're having to do to prepare them for their classes and, and to try to help give the horses physical support to be able to do that job. And many of these horses are top athletes and they do quite well. I mean, they do quite well at, you know, with all these conditions that kind of go along with that level of competition. Where I get challenged is when I continue to find similar trends with horses. And these are the, these are the things that I feel, mostly feel is what I'm feeling. And that prompts me to call Tigger is, for example, I will find horses that are very tight in the girth area and they often will give me things they're struggling with. They won't turn left. They won't turn right. You know, they, they're girthy, they're tight in their back or they're missing a lead change. Like these are the common things they tell me. And one of one of the common denominators that I find when, you know, from trainer to trainer, surface to surface. So, you know, I also do work on racehorses and, you know, that's with the racehorses, you have a large number of horses doing the same things, you know, the same surfaces, the same training methods. And so you'll, you'll start to see trends. So I take that experience into the show horse world and I try to look for trends. And one of the trends I kept finding was this kind of presence of very girthy, sensitive under um, the sternum area, um, sensitive kind of in their back area. And a lot of times those things in combination, I have found they, when I'm finding these things, then they tell me, yes, the horse has a history of ulcers or a history of stomach problems. And we feel like it's flaring up. So I take their information and what I'm finding and kind of work at it backwards to say, well, maybe that means that their stomachs are bugging them and they will, you know, work with their veterinarian and kind of what their management is. And usually they will come up with something that seems to help the horses as they go along to kind of overcome those issues. But it's what it got me thinking of is, and this is why I call Tigger is, you know, it's one thing to, it seems like it's one thing to be able to manage a horse at home. That's whether it's, you know, and turned out in big fields or in a boarding stable, you know, those have different, you know, problems that come with that. But the phenomenon of having to, these traveling horses in this heavy competition level is, and I've had many trainers ask me because they know I kind of work for a lot of top operations is, you know, how do you prevent these problems? And that's when I start to defer to Tigger on that issue. And that's kind of where I'd like to go maybe just share with on the radio show here Maybe share with them our conver- that conversation that we have, Tigger. When I call you and say, <laughs> I mean, that's 
Right. I mean, she's laughing because I call her all the time. You know, we're in the moment. You know, the horse has done well in its regular division. It's now qualified for the big class, you know, two nights from now where they take, you know, all the champions and they all get to compete together. And so in the moment I say, what are we going to do with this horse who is under excellent care with excellent trainers? And it's just kind of the rigors of, you know, the stress of the year on competition, you know, a, the, the question I ask her is what do we do now? <laughs> you know, and then I start to ask her the question, you know, is there something we can do, you know, to kind of help these horses withstand the rigors of these kinds of competitions with, with their uh, GI. And, th- and that's when Tigger and I go back and forth with, you know, I typically say, tell me again, Tigger, how the stomach works. Tell me again, how it breaks the food down. Tell me again, which kinds of foods are harder and which kinds are easier. And those, and those are the questions I think you should ask on the show, you know, answer Tigger on the show here is, what do you tell me when I ask you those questions? <laughs> right? Don't you love how she's turned this all around? You know, no, this- I think this is what we do, you and I. This is what we, we do a true. lot of problem solving together, right? That's true. Absolutely. Right? Right. So what is the question? <laughs> so the question is, there's a couple of questions. The question is, these horses that are under excellent care and normally do are not showing any signs of... I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's an ulcer, it's some kind of discomfort in the stomach. I mean, obviously the only way to say it's an ulcer is the vet has to diagnose it with an ulcer, but there is a discomfort there in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do to make this horse more comfortable to show tomorrow? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the long game person. So, right. Um, you know, short term would be more alfalfa to buffer the the stomach acids and something to coat non-glandular portion of the stomach. And that could be aloe, that could be sea buckthorn, that could be papaya. But those are short term. I mean, it could be sucralfate. But, but those are very short term fixes because... The, the real crux of the matter is, is the stress. Right. Right. So then the question becomes, when we know these horses are going into stressful situations and we want to do everything we can to help prevent um, the effects it has on the GI and specifically the stomach, and we've had these conversations about yeah. diet. And I mean, we've recently had these conversations about diet and, you know, one, well, I know one of your suggestions is always alfalfa. And I know there's a bunch of studies out recently and things I've seen. And I see a lot of trainers, good trainers implementing that in their programs. And ones have start, just started doing that and they seem to be having good success. So then, so the question I always ask you is, well, what, you know, I always say, what does that do, Tigger? Like, what does it actually do? You give your horse some alfalfa, what is it doing? Because of the high calcium in the alfalfa, it buffers the stomach acid. Okay. Because unlike a human, the acid in a horse's stomach is continually pumping. Mm-hmm. In a human, our acid really generally only pumps when we're eating. Right. But for a horse, it's going all the time. Now, mm-hmm. 
horses are designed to eat 20 hours a day. And the bicarbonate in their saliva acts as a natural buffer. Okay. What Kentucky Equine Research discovered is that grains reduce the bicarbonate of the saliva. Right. So when you feed a commercial feed that has grains in it, you are reducing the bicarbonate aspect of your horse's saliva. Okay, now this may sound like a stupid question, but I'm I'm just going to be real here on the show. These are the questions I ask Tigger. So when Tigger says to me these things, I say to Tigger, I say to Tigger, well, what is what is grains? What does that include? Grains, wheat, mm-hmm. oats, barley. I mean, I personally would put corn in there, but. There might be some that would argue that corn is not a grain. And Kentucky Equine Research was not specific. Okay. So it could be corn or could not. And how about soy? Well, soy is definitely not a a grain. It's a legume. Okay, I see. But here's the thing about soy. Tell me. Soy traditionally (laughs) is, is fermented. Yeah. And that's the way it's been used and eaten for thousands of years in the Far East. Right. They don't eat soy hulls. They don't eat soy oil. (laughs) They don't eat soy meal unless it's been fermented. So to use soy in a horse food that isn't fermented, even Mm -hmm. if it's cooked, which the soy meal generally is has had some kind of heat adulteration. Right. It's not fermented. It, that's a different process. So what you're saying is as it is used in most commercial foods, it's in a form that really is not available or beneficial to them. It's not a benefit. It, it isn't. A, it, it, it looks great on a nutritional label because in the case of soy hulls, it provides a lot of fiber. Uh-huh. But that's not, if you need fiber, why not just go with what the horse normally eats? Hey, grass. Right, and we had that conversation today. In yes, we, were in we did. Today, and that's exactly when we were reading the label and the manager said, well, that's just fiber. Uh, my response was, well, why don't you give it hay? And she didn't have a response. It's, it's the most, it's, soy is one of the most inexpensive ingredients in horse feed. Okay. It's abundant because it's part of the monoculture farming in the U.S. Right. Right. So anything, any part of the soy that can be used in livestock feed is great for soy farmers and soy producers. And, mm-hmm. and it's inexpensive for, for livestock feeds. Right. But as far as horses, there's no benefit to the actual soy other than the I mean, there's there's a there's a benefit on the label. In other words, you know, okay. soy itself has protein, it has fiber, um, right. it has essential fatty acids. But again, it's supposed to be eaten fermented. Okay. So as far as the stomach issue, what you're saying, and these are the conversations we've had, is the alfalfa seems like a natural choice for horses. It is. And it's interesting to me that 
if I, if, if I have an opportunity to talk to them about it, and of course I'm not a nutritionist, but I just, all I know is when I see certain trainers, and of course I never divulge who the trainer is, but in a general way, if I notice certain trainers have gone to an alfalfa pellet, you know, renew gold type of diet, the horses seem to have fewer problems with their stomachs yeah. in competition. That's yeah. what I've noticed. And I've noticed that uh, trainers that maybe have come from a family of horsemen, whether they're trainers or just horsemen, I mean, some of them have come from parents and grandparents that have fox hunted or, yeah. you know, whatever. They are more open to the idea because, you know, when I start to say, how did your grandfather feed their horses? How did your grandmother feed your horses? And they say, oh, well, it was just alfalfa pellets and oats. And they used to cook the oats. I remember Mm -hmm. them cooking the oats. And so then you say, well, there, you know. And then that's another question I have. Why would you be cooking the oats, Tigger? What's the benefit to cooking the oats? Is there any benefit to their stomach? Well, you're you're sort of breaking down that hard fiber on the outside of the oat that a lot of people right. say, oh, my horse doesn't digest oats because I see it in the manure. Well, that's just the outer hull. Okay. And it, it is very fibrous, like a lot of cellulose, which is, okay. you know, not highly digestible, but it will move through the GI tract. It's just it's bulk that is is fiber. undigestible fiber. When you cook right. it, you kind of break down some of that cellulose. Okay. And it's easier for them to access to, the actual yes, oats. Exact, exactly. Okay. All right. So those old timers knew somehow that that is something that really benefited their horses as they, you know, I mean, the old, you know, it's easy to say life is more stressful for these horses today. But if you remember back to the three-day eventing with the long form, yeah, uh, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a pretty stressful, uh, those were pretty stressful competitions and we didn't even have Gastrogard back then. And no. so you, you, the diet was all you had really. But remember, even back in those days, the horses got the winter off. Right, right, mm, right. We right. didn't show and compete all year. Right. We I started them up in the spring. We showed during the summer and fall, and then they were off. Right. And they were turned they got, out. Right. They got the green therapy, as the Irish trainers tell me. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, they call it the green therapy. So, well, I have. I, I want to bring up another um, kind of observation that I have, you know, the, the stomach, that is the number one thing that I come across that the horses seem to struggle with and the trainers seem to struggle with staying ahead of that. And then I often throughout the year bump into some of these kind of different things I come across. One is when I feel that the muscles are have a density or a tightness that doesn't seem to soften. I remember I had a horse last spring and again, this is, you know, I work on a horse and I go on and I'm not really happy that I feel like the muscles haven't released or they're not as soft. And so of course, what do I do? I always call Tigger (laughs) 
And I had one like that last spring. Remember, Tigger? And I called you and I, of course, start to describe phenomenon. And And so I wonder to myself, is there a nutritional component to this? And, of course, Tigger kind of goes through the list of, you know, what are they feeding it? And the horse actually was already on a component diet. They had already been doing some really great things, you know, forward thinking things for this horse. And they had, um, you know, as I researched it further with them, because Tigger told me to check for vitamin E and selenium and they had done blood testing and um, they had done uh, vitamin E tests and, but they had not done the selenium. And um, when you had said to me, tell them to do the vitamin E and selenium, and they did, and sure enough, the horse had a deficiency and it was simple as simple as addressing that. And within one week, they called me and said the horse was a completely different horse. And okay, so here, this is where I want you to answer a question. Okay. It helped me to understand what it is, what, how the selenium component can affect that kind of change in a horse that quickly versus just the vitamin E. Because that, I also know that is very beneficial for horses as well. Like I, horses that I work on and they've added that, I feel a difference in a very positive way also. But that's the other question I had is this whole, the vitamin E versus the vitamin E and selenium and what that does for the horse's body. They're both super antioxidants. Okay. So one reason a muscle gets tight is lack of oxygen. Right. So when you support the horse with super antioxidants, these two, which happen to be essential, you actually increase oxygenation to the tissue. Mm. Okay. And that's what I deal with all the time is oxygen debt, you know, whether it's lack of as simple as cooling the horse out as simple as when a horse is blowing, not hosing it off and putting it in front of a fan, but actually walking (laughs) it. Yeah actually walking it to replenish the oxygen yep. in the muscle, you know, is one is, is, it's an amazing thing. And they, you know, and again, the racehorses are really good at the cool, at cool, you know, the cool down period. They are very good at that. And the, the horses seem to respond really well to it. So that, so that kind of gets me, that kind of gets me to the other question I have. Now we've we've gone to stomachs to muscles. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I have had some people have horses that are um, not building a top line, or they're not happy with the tone of the muscle, and they have used your um, quantum with the shilajit. Mm-hmm. And explain to me the because we talk about this. Also, it's one of my go-to things I ask you about and explain to me what it is in the quantum that affects that kind of change in the horses so quickly. The, the, the core or the, the, the essence of energy in the body are the mitochondria of the cell. Mm-hmm. 
Shilajit is a bioresin that stimulates mitochondria. And in mitochondria that is what they consider like low-performing mitochondria, they're not fully functional or not functioning at their best. We see the result of this in suspensories injuries. It's definitely related to connective tissue. It's definitely related to metabolic disease. Um, Certainly a component in tying up. Hmm. So when you can support the mitochondria to produce ATP, which is the essential energy molecule, and energy for the whole body to make enzymes, to utilize amino acids, to digest food, to um, move from A to B, the, the, the biological mechanics of movement. It's the mitochondria. Mm. So here, so that's my other question is I've also noticed that horses that have some EPM exposure that one of the things with that is a, a bit a bit of some muscle wasting from yep. the, the neurological effects of that, and I've noticed that when some of when they've been treating the EPM, I've had some people use the quantum to help kind of rebuild the muscle. Yep, and it, and they tell me that it really seems to help. Now, how much of it is you know, just the addressing the EPM and how much of it is the quantum. Well, I have horses that have just addressed the EPM and I have horses who have done both. And it seems that the quantum helps with the recovery. Yep. That the recovery time is quicker for them to come back from that. Again, if, if you can get to the root of the biological imbalance mm -hmm. rather than I mean, vitamin E is very important for EPM horses. Super and why antioxidant. Is that? Well, again, oxygenation. Okay. You know, reducing the free radical damage. Right, but right, right. That's the symptom of lack of oxygen. The mitochondria right. are the seat of energy, and energy helps oxygenate the body. Right. It's such an amazing system. Well, and this is the story I love, and I know I have my own version of the story, but I want to hear it from you. Because <laughs> I have my whole, like, I have this, I've made it into, like, the mountain goats that go up the Himalayas, which is not the story, but somehow that <laughs> came up with my own story. So I was just, I'm, like, fascinated how Tigger finds these things. So I want to hear the story of, like, the discovery of this. And, and observing what, you know, how did they get to discover that this is something that was helpful? So 5,000 or 4,000 years ago, mm. the villagers in the lower Himalayas noticed that the monkeys were eating this black tarry stuff that on mm. sunny days was coming up from the cracks in the rocks. What? Yeah. Mm. It's this bioresin. It's from the Triassic period. Oh, like going to the espresso bar or something, huh? <laughs> kind guys, of. The black, guys, the black stuff is coming up. Let's hit the bars. <laughs> I don't know what this stuff is, but it's really good. <laughs> well, they watched that the monkeys ate it. Certain animals ate it. Yeah. Um, elephants, monkeys. Oh, and really? they were especially keyed into 
the monkeys because they considered the monkeys sort of the wisest of all the animal oh, and they lived longer. Okay. Uh-huh. So the Ayurvedic seers or practitioners, um, Ayurvedic means the science of life. That's, that's what they developed 5,000 years ago. Wow. And they looked at natural substances and analyzed the life force that was in each plant and, and what it did physically and spiritually to the body. Right. So Shilajit came to their attention and Shilajit is, is actually, it means conqueror of mountains, destroyer of weakness. Wow. And that's why the, the Sherpas in Nepal drink Shilajit tea. Wow. Well, fast forward to the 1960s and the, the Russians, the Soviets were looking to, you know, make super athletes, right? Yeah. And dominate, dominate the world in athletic events. And so they started studying Shilajit and they started giving it to their athletes. Hmm. And a lot of that, some of that science has been sort of leaked when the fall of the Soviet Union, but a lot of it is still sort of undercover. But it really is the Soviets that did the first initial Western research mm-hmm. on Shilajit right. and made the discovery of the mitochondria and how it oh. affects the mitochondria. Uh-huh. Oh. And how did you come across it, Tigger? Like, how did you, I mean, just in your... In your daily searching of the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't actually recall the, the specific trigger that made me go look at it. But, you know, I, I've been, you know, studying Ayurvedic medicine for... Hmm, you know, almost 20 years. And it, it's possible that the name came up in something that I was studying. And so then I went and searched to, un- to understand it. And mm-hmm. I was so fascinated by it that I went to this really off-the-wall uh, de- source for the pure, out-of-the-rock bioresin. And it's wow. a little black, it's black tar, sort of. Right. And it is the most disgusting thing you would ever want to put in your mouth. <laughs> well, we always joke, a little pinch between your cheek and gum, yes. right? Give me some and of that quantum. <laughs> the only way I could actually get it down was to make it into a tea, which meant that I ah. just diluted it with hot water so that I could actually right. drink it. And... um and then, of course, I had to enlist Peter, who is always willing to try whatever I give him, bless his heart. And we both felt a definite energy result of drinking that tea. Well, it's interesting because uh, as I'm hearing you talk about this, you know, I have never had anybody say, oh, it makes my horse wild. Mm-mm. So that's the interesting thing about what you're describing is 
it seems to help, you know, tone up the muscles without making them wild, you know, or giving them too much energy, which of course is always a concern. That's the fine line with performance horses. People, the, the thing is, is that we use the word energy so in, interchangeably with a, a, a sense of forward or of right. out of control. And on a, on, a, yeah. on a cellular level, it's it's how the body functions. So right. Shilajit supports the the basic biological functioning of energy. Well, it seems like it makes it more efficient, right? Makes the whole body more efficient. Exactly. Exactly. So if the body is more efficient, they're going to utilize what they have available to them. Is that correct? Yes. And, and, and that translates into being able to build muscle and to recover from physical stress and ward off Things like insulin resistance, the easy keepers should all get, you know, shilajit right. to speed up. And right. any horse that's, that's got a connective tissue issue that wasn't from an actual, you know, right. Well, injury. and that's the other thing, Tigger. I also have horses that are, you know, kind of aging out that are still maybe competing at a lower level and, you know, I still, you know, they may have those in the same barn as the high performance or they may be at the farm and I work on them at the farm. And that is something when they start to lose their tone is one of the things I've seen people use that has had a tremendous effect on the older horses. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, they, yeah. they older horses really start feeling better in a profound yeah. way. Yes. And that whole muscle wasting that starts to happen yep. as they're aging, it seems to slow that down. And, and what you're telling me is it helps with the soft tissue too, which they start to become more susceptible to those injuries as well. Yes. And that would help. That would help with that. So, well, okay. I'm glad I could answer your question. Yeah. I think that about <laughs> covers all my questions. So, to the people listening, they got a little um, they got a little insight on our little conversation. When in the moment, I'm calling you from here, there, and everywhere, and asking you, firing at you a million questions, and and, and I visualize, you know, here I am at wherever I am on my cell phone in some tent or barn somewhere, and I visualize Tigger at her computer peeling down to like 12 layers on the internet to get to the real ingredients to whatever, and then she fires at me two or three research documents from different universities, and then I say to Tigger, what am I supposed to tell them? (laughs) I mean, great, I understand it (laughs) I just tell them to call Tigger is what I tell them. (laughs) So now they get a little insight into our world. That's That's right. Welcome to our world. (laughs) I take, I take Tigger with me wherever I go. (laughs) I'm pocket size, travel size. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Thank you for all your help over the years. Well, it, you know, it takes, and I'm sure all our listeners know, it, it takes a village with. Yes. Amen. Yes. And, 
And I love working with Kathy because she has an insight that I don't have. She's hands-on. She's feeling what's going on in the body. She's feeling the muscles. She's feeling what the horse is telling her. And that's why we, we can work so well together because the combination of what I know and what she knows, um, we've been able to help a fair amount of horses. Right. And also, let's not leave out, you know, the owners and the trainers and the grooms. That's all part of the village. That the people are there every day giving me, you know, they give me their information and I kind of put it into what I'm feeling. And then you kind of guide, you know, offer some suggestions. And it has really, it has really benefited a lot of people trying to do the right thing for their horses. Yep. You know. And that's the bottom line. There's a lot of good people out there trying yes, there to do are. the right thing for their horses. And it's been a really wonderful thing to have you, Tigger, to offer some other well, thanks, insights. Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, it has. So, all right. Well, thanks for, for coming on Healthy Critters. And um, yes. can't wait to have you back. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Okay, thanks. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Uh-huh. Bye. How are you, Hetty? Well, as you can hear, my voice is not at its usual extreme volume. No. <laughs> oh, you don't sound good. No, I'm a little bit horse. <laughs> not a horse at all. I'm a little dog. Your little dog that sounds a little hoarse. <laughs> yeah. So, Hetty, we have a question for you. Yes. So, with 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 Thanksgiving coming up, everybody gets very excited because they have their favorite thing they like to eat at Thanksgiving. And we were wondering what your favorite thing turkey. is to eat on Thanksgiving. Turkey. 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 Gravy. Turkey. Gravy. Potatoes. Turkey. Gravy. Mashed potatoes. So everything, 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 everything is on the table. Yes. Okay. That's. I was certain she was going to say cheese. Didn't you think she was going to say I, cheese? I thought it was cheese. I, I I really doubted there would be string beans or sweet potatoes. I eat those too. No problem. Oh, my God. I love so, string wow. beans. Do you beans get your own plate? Time. Yes. Well, that's that's it. That's it. You have your servant well trained. Do not tell the Aussies. I've already yeah. written them a letter. You've written them a letter. <laughs> well, okay. Don't let them go to I the think, mailbox. I think it's time they learn how to demand proper treatment. Oh yeah, that well, won't go over that well. Improve, that could only improve your life for sure. Yeah, um, exactly. Don't tell me you get a seat at the table. I make everyone sit mm-hmm. on the floor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's how it should be. Little dog teach everything. Okay. Well, I, well. I don't want her I don't want her writing to my dogs either because they don't they don't want to play. Although just likes to get up on the table, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, poor Hetty. Well, well Hetty, Hetty you, you, go- you need to take care of your throat. I know. Absolutely. It's a tragedy. 
it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And hopefully you'll be, you'll be feel, feeling better soon that you can eat whatever you want at Thanksgiving. Thank you. Very kind of you, no doubt. <laughs> feel better, Hetty. All right, Hetty. Feel better. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and now it's time for the breed of the show. So we are at the breed of show critter corner time. And I thought I would do the Jersey giant because I'm on a bird thing right now. (laughs) on a rooster thing, a big chicken. And I learned that, that the, the Brahmas that we did are indeed not the biggest, that the Jersey giant is bigger. Now I have some interesting information for you about them. Tigger has, has chickens for all our listeners, and so she knows a lot about different breeds and whatnot. Tigger, have you ever seen one? Did you tell me? I can't remember. You said you I have, you I've only seen, seen pictures, but I have a very good friend in North Carolina that actually has them. Okay. Well, I, you know, upon doing a little research about them, um, so, so they're, they are obviously a very large chicken. They can get up to... The males can get 22 to 26 inches, which that's pretty tall. <laughs> they can weigh up to 12 pounds, so they so can get they can get a lot of But yeah, so here's the thing that's interesting. They originally were um, they were they they're an American breed. They were started in New Jersey, <laughs> which I just think is so funny. They were developed by John and Tom, uh, Thomas Black near Jobstown, New Jersey. Now, being from Jersey, I just think that's really funny. But the original purpose was to replace turkeys. And, oh, um, wow. And it, yeah, and it didn't go over well because the food-to-weight conversion ratio um, wasn't good. So, in other words, they eat a lot. <laughs> so... <laughs> They're little, they're little piggies. Um, so, um, so it didn't go over well, but they became popular because they are incredibly docile. Um, and they actually are normally good egg producers, 150 to 200 eggs per year. So that's um, apparently a good thing. They actually do also make a good meat burp, and we don't like to talk about that. We like to talk about them being fun pets. So <laughs> we're just going to go right to there. So. Um, because they're so big, they talk a lot about, you know, um, you know, they can be quite intimidating, you know, when they're kind of coming at you, because if you guys know anything about a rooster and if you've ever met a mean rooster, you don't want one that's looking like a toddler coming at you, but apparently they're very, very docile and they're excellent with kids. They, they, another little interesting thing about them is that their feathers are tighter than common breeds, which makes them easier to clean. That is, if you are going to show your Jersey chicken. <laughs> They're also easier to um, pluck, according to my friend who oh, raises okay. them well, to, that would make for meat. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So they do need a lot of space because they are a bigger chicken. So that can be a little bit of a, a, a bit of a pain. But again, um, they're very easy to be around. They're great with kids. They, they're not uh, another fact. Another good fact is that because they're so big, they're not going to be good prey for hawks, which is a good thing. Cause that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, but they're slow growing in comparison to other chickens, which, and again, I think that was another factor as to why they didn't make it uh, great for 
you know, replacing turkeys. They mature between eight and nine months, which I think is probably typical with most chickens, but they just, because of the graphic size, it seems like they're, you know, not growing as quick. And they also are really good in cold weather. So I, in some days, we don't own one of these because I found so fascinating. By them. <laughs> and they're really quite pretty. They come kind of, I really am. I just, I mean, I thought the Brahma thing was kind of neat, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Jersey, you know, I'm from Jersey originally. I don't know. I think I might have to go with one of these, but yep. So there you go. So they make a great, they make a great backyard, backyard pet and, um, they, uh, they eat a lot. So keep well, that in my, mind. My friend describes it as watching miniature T-Rexes. I mean, that's hysterical. That's hysterical. And, yeah, I would you know, love to anybody who's ever watched <laughs> Jurassic Park. The way a T Rex runs is exactly the way yeah. a chicken runs. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So that that's that. Yeah. And I want nine of yeah. them because I just want to have a, a flock of chickens that I can call the New Jersey Giants. <laughs> right. See. Jersey, right. See. Jersey Giants. Of course you, you do. Go. So we're here at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to talk about Biostar's newest formula, which is Optimum GI. It's a supplement that addresses and supports both the upper and lower gastric regions of the intestinal tract in a matrix of bioavailable minerals and nutrients for whole horse health. Horse owners now have the support their ulcer-prone horses need in addition to the essential vitamins and minerals. What Optimum GI can do for your horse? Well, it, it helps to buffer acids in the stomach, thereby reducing irritation in the squamous region. It also provides mucosal protection in the glandular region of the stomach. It provides a complete amino acid profile, including the muscle-building branch chain amino acids, the most bioavailable macro and micro minerals, essential vitamins and antioxidants from plant sources, and important cofactors for digestive health. As you know, all gastric ulcers are not alike. They can form in the upper third portion of the stomach or the lower region of the stomach, and each region of the stomach requires different pharmaceutical treatments and support. The squamous ulcers form in the upper third portion of the stomach. This is the non-glandular region. Ulcers are common here because the squamous region is unprotected from gastric acid. Glandular ulcers are in the lower portion of the stomach, or the glandular region, and they are protected from stomach acids by mucus. However, the glandular portion is affected by stress, dehydration, and diet. The treatment for squamous ulcers is omeprazole, and that's the gold standard for treating equine squamous gastric disease. Treatment for glandular ulcers, we found that omeprazole is not effective as a single treatment protocol. The combination of omeprazole and sucralfate is often recommended to combat ulcers in the glandular portion of the stomach. Some veterinarians prefer to use misoprostol either alone or with sucralfate for glandular ulcers. So as you can see, ulcers in the stomach, depending on location, need different treatment protocols. Buffering supplements, antacids, and foods like alfalfa help the squamous portion of the stomach by shielding stomach acids. However, they will have a minimal effect on the glandular portion of the stomach. Ingredients that provide mucosal protective support include aloe, papaya, sea buckthorn, 
berries, pectin, lecithin, glutamine, and polysaccharides. They are beneficial to the glandular portion of the stomach, as are oils and healthy fat sources. So Optimum GI, we took the research on equine gastric ulcer syndrome and formulated a supplement that combines important bioavailable minerals and nutrients for health and well-being with specific gastric support. This formula combines the buffering action of plant-sourced calcium from spirulina, calcium protonate for the health of the squamous portion of the stomach. Mucosal protective foods support the glandular portion, which includes apple pectin, cabbage, lion's mane extract, and sunflower lecithin. A matrix of bioavailable minerals and nutrients ensure whole body health of your horse. How it works in the upper portion of the stomach. Calcium is a terrific buffering agent. Its high calcium content is one of the reasons that alfalfa is supportive of the upper stomach region. By providing bioavailable calcium from spirulina and rice proteinate, the acid in the stomach is neutralized. How it works in the lower portion of the stomach. Pharmaceutical-grade apple pectin forms a gel in the acidic environment of the stomach and helps to stabilize the mucus in the glandular region. Apple pectin helps to protect the lining of the gastrointestinal tract because it can bind bile acids. We use pharmaceutical-grade apple pectin because it is guaranteed to have a minimum of 80% pectin. Feed-grade pectin only has to contain 30% pectin. Lion's mane extract provides important polysaccharides, including the beta-D-glucans. Research has shown that polysaccharides can improve or resolve ulcerated gastric areas because beta-glucans provide mucosal protection. We import our lion's mane mushroom extract from China, where it is grown on a traditional wood substrate, not on oats or rice, as is commonly found in the U.S., We do this because China has 5,000 years of experience cultivating and using medicinal mushrooms. Then we have sunflower lecithin. It provides the phospholipids that play an important role in extracellular and membrane barriers of the gastric and intestinal mucosa. Sunflower lecithin can actually enhance the barrier properties of the mucosa, helping to reduce irritation from stomach acid and from pharmacological damaging agents such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Cabbage is one of the richest sources of the amino acid L-glutamine, which the body uses to heal intestinal mucosa. For whole horse support, Optimum GI has the bioavailable minerals bound to eight amino acids from rice for superior bioavailability. Bioavailable vitamins are sourced from real food. Beta-carotene and other carotenoids are sourced from organic carrot powder, and vitamin D2 is sourced from mushrooms. Optimum GI provides a full spectrum of amino acids and adds whey protein, pumpkin meal, coconut meal, and organic spirulina to provide over 20% protein per serving. Optimum GI is unique in that it provides reed sedge peat, which offers fulvic and humic acids. These organic acids aid in mineral and nutrient absorption in the GI tract. We add fennel seeds because they're beneficial for digestion and have been used for centuries to reduce gas and bloating. 
And we use MCT coconut oil, which is a medium chain triglyceride from coconut that provides a supportive fat source for the glandular portion of the stomach and supports the intestinal microbiome. Real whole food ingredients can make an enormous difference in health and performance. The sources of our raw materials are carefully researched and tested. Each ingredient is chosen for superior quality and sustainable sources with farm-to-table traceability. In our new Optimum GI formula, Biostar uses true mineral proteinates for higher bioavailability. Pharmaceutical-grade pectin, specially chosen wood-grown mushrooms, and vitamin A and D that come from plant sources, not petroleum. We always choose non-GMO and organic ingredients. Let the science of nature support your horse. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we're in Coffee Clatch and... Something that my dogs do today that did, did today made me think this would be a really good topic. And the topic is the funny things that our dogs do that make us laugh. And today, my entire pack, I was sitting on the couch and I had just gotten off a phone call and they all lined up on the other side of the coffee table and they gave me this collective. Australian Shepherd Vulcan Mind Meld. You will give us a cookie. You will give us a cookie. You will get up right now and give us a cookie. And it made me laugh so hard that it kind of inspired me to um, bring it up because we all have dogs that just make us laugh. I love the mind meld. Did they put their paw on your temple? No, they just sat there totally focused on me of one mind, all four of them. You will, you will, you will give us a cookie. And did you give them a cookie? We We did. We are the cookie. (laughs) We are one with the cookie. We are one with the cookie. We are one with the cookie. What kind of cookie did you give them? Um, I gave them a Biostar liver treat. A Biostar liver treat. Aww. Now, they each got a Biostar liver treat. Of course. They didn't of have course. to share a liver treat. No, 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 no. Each, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm pretty susceptible to the Australian Shepherd Vulcan mind meld. <laughs> oh, well, you're not in charge. And you, you know that. You're not in charge. You're, you, you just get to pay for shit. <laughs> yeah. So, Patty, what funny thing has uh, have your dogs oh. done recently? 
well, uh, where does one start? Uh, I, I am going to I am going to discuss catch. Catch is um, catch is a young male, and he thinks that he is. He, he thinks he's quite funny, and actually, I think he is. He's got a great sense of humor, but he he has learned um, how to lift the trash can lid, and I have a you know stainless steel trash can. And, and it's so funny because, you know, you go about your business, you have, you know, I'm in the kitchen doing my thing, blah, 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 blah. And I will hear this sort of like clinging noise. And I, I don't, I don't think anything about it. And I see him over there and he's got his foot. And I don't, I think this was purely by accident, but you know, the thing where you step on it yeah, and it lifts it up, well, he'll get, he'll get on that, like kind of get his foot on it. And I, and he's bridged, he's figured out that if he steps on that, he can flip it up with his nose. So anyway, so you know, we, we, we caught him with that. And of course, and then he looks at me like, and he'll come. And then he, when, when the minute he does that and I'm like, catch, what are you doing? Then he spins around and he sits like, may I have a biscuit <laughs> um, or, or may I have something from that trash can? So, um, so we, so we very quickly let him know that the trash can thing is not going to happen. But just last evening, I was not feeling very well, and we had a little center island, and it's up, it's up quite high. And I, I was sitting in my bedroom, and I heard this noise, and all of a sudden, I hear Catch, and he comes running into the room like a very good boy, because I called his name with his plastic thing in his mouth, and he had knocked off the counter. He didn't. He knocked off the counter what was left over in there, and he brought it into me to show me like it was some sort of a prize. So he's, you know, he's just now learning that like he can put things in his mouth, and he finds that very amusing. So during the day, we the deer here are in major, major rut, and there was a display of it was actually kind of it was kind of like watching the National Geographic today. Um, because the bucks were, you know, actually fighting with each other over the doe and a, a bunch of does. And so I have to tie him up because if I'm not paying attention, he's going to go help. <laughs> so in the process of this, he's just, he's a very long, a very long leash where he can, you know, see where I am at all times, but it's near a basket of, <laughs> of bell boots and boots. And he very quietly and very gaily goes into the basket picks something up and brings it around to the outside and place. So basically by the end of um, a 30 minute period, he had taken about five sets of boots, um, a couple polos and um, some bell boots and stacked them outside real, real, real nice for us so that we could attend to them while we were sitting and watching the deer. So that's, that's, that's just one dog out of my, my crew that is being quite silly. Oh my God. Yeah. It's constant. Yeah. So <laughs> I live to serve. <laughs> I love Australian shepherds. I just. They got other, great sense of humor. Oh my years. God. I caught buckaroo with a jar of peanut butter on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is it runs in the family. Uh-huh. Right. So you're, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. There you go. You know, okay. what's that, you know, like Pooh Bear had the honey pot and. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that was Buckaroo, and he couldn't quite figure out how to get it off because he'd gotten his nose in there, and so he was banging it around. But then his tongue would come out and lick up some of the peanut butter. (laughs) So that's adorable. Oh, how about Glory, Jennifer? Well, actually, today she did something kind of a chuckle. I had given her a proper bone. It was a little tiny shin bone or something like that that I had gotten at the store. It, it was smoked or baked or something, and it had all the little bits of sinew on it. It looked really yummy. Oh, she'll like this. And she was very excited to get that. She threw herself down onto her doggy bag to, to crunch on that with great enthusiasm. And she went to town and I heard that lots of loud crunching. And I looked over and she had snapped the head off the joint end of it after about 90 seconds. Oh. And she, oh. yeah. And she crunched it up. This is not good. These, cause the shards are really sharp and I was very concerned yeah. that she wouldn't crunch them up just so, but yep. she was really, really happy to have this bone and she really wasn't really happy about the idea of me taking it back. <laughs> so I had to think creatively and quickly. So I found myself some really stinky cheese in the refrigerator and I crumbled a whole bunch of that up over next to her paw because she's blind as a bat. So right. she can't see anything. So I crumbled it up over away from her. So she didn't have the feeling that I was trying to take her bone because it went up upset her. And she smelled that and got distracted just long enough that I could grab it from between her paws. <laughs> and she spe- spent oh, the next four minutes or so snarfing up the bits of, uh, bits of cheese. But she realized that I took the bone away. Uh-oh. Yeah. So she, she crashed into several pieces of furniture on her way back oh. over to my desk. Oh. And, and stood there and stared at my keyboard because that's where she could hear me. She could hear the hear the, oh. at the keyboard and whimpered and stared at the keyboard and whimpered. And she did that for about oh. two minutes before I, I I felt heartless. Oh my gosh! So I had to go. I had to go find her a more. I had to get her a rawhide because Beautiful. she gets those all smushy yeah. before she swallows them. Yeah, uh, because she's a very when she decides to chew, she's an extremely aggressive chewer. But I, I felt like, I was like, oh, that's terrible. But you're going to, oh, my gosh, you're going to get something stuck in your mouth and your throat. Yep. You have a big vet bill. It'll be dangerous. It'll be awful. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But she wasn't letting me forget it, but staring at the <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> Didn't, she doesn't look at me. <laughs> now, if I talked, she would have looked at me. But she just looks at the keyboard. There's a human there. I can hear it. I can hear it ticking. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you have funny dog stories about your dog, so let us know on HealthyCrittersRadio.com. Or send us a postcard. Yes, we love postcards. Or send us a postcard. The more more postcards, the better. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster.
Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 